To that end, he managed to get himself on the payroll of the Daily Graphic as a war correspondent, and earned his keep by filing reports from Cuba on local resistance to Spanish rule. On his 21st birthday, he came under fire for the first time in his life, and the thrill of the experience would stay with him forever, along with two habits acquired in Cuba, cigars and siestas. Soon after returning to his regiment in September 1896, Churchill was shipped off to India. Based in Bangalore, the tedium of early morning cavalry exercises was partially offset by the pleasure he took from playing polo, and by an exacting regime of self-improvement, he became his own university, via voracious reading of works as varied as Plato, Darwin, and Macaulay. Restless for field action, in 1897 he volunteered to take part in the Northwest Frontier Campaign, and then the following year attached himself to Kitchener's Army of the Nile and bloodied himself in the Battle of Omdurman. By then, writing, whether journalism building on his Cuban war reporting or book-length treatments of his military experiences, had begun to flow copiously and his literary prowess would henceforward be a steady and eventually substantial earner for him. Which was just as well, given his fondness for the Sybaritic. My tastes are simple, he once confessed. I like only the best. As the century drew to a close, politics increasingly exerted a more powerful pull on Churchill than the military life as did a related desire to follow in an idolised father's footsteps, Lord Randolph having risen to become, briefly and controversially, Tory Chancellor of the Exchequer before his death. In 1899, Churchill resigned his commission and stood for Parliament as a Conservative Unionist in a by-election at Oldham. No longer a soldier, he still looked on war as a natural, even a healthy phenomenon, to die in battle for your country, he believed, was the highest and most heroic form of death, and many of his early political speeches possessed a martial patina. Narrowly defeated at Oldham, he looked to journalism to tide him over until another electoral opportunity presented itself. With a lucrative contract from the Morning Post in his pocket, he headed for South Africa to report on the Boer War. What happened next is the stuff of Churchill legend. Captured and imprisoned by the Boer authorities, he effected his escape in daring circumstances, had a price slapped on his head, but lived to tell the tale, literally, in his journalism and in book form. Between 1897 and 1900, Churchill reinvented the war correspondent as both fighter and writer, participating as a soldier in three of Queen Victoria's wars while jobbing as a journalist before turning his experiences into books. All of which, when combined with his widely reported South African escapade, gave him the kind of celebrity that was readily convertible into political capital. A high degree of self-regard and a gift for self-promotion were two facets of an extraordinarily multidimensional personality, now reaching maturity. Anyone seeking a succinct summation of Churchill's qualities, both positive and negative, 
need only glance at the index headings of the first volume of his official biography, written by his son, Randolph. Under Characteristics, the following entries appear. Pugnacity and rebelliousness. Colossal ambition. Pertinacity. Love of mischief. Capacious and retentive memory. Extravagance. Originality of mind. Power of concentration. Resourcefulness. Organizing ability. Talent for command. Unpunctuality. Self-confidence. Late-maturing massive brain. Thirst for adventure. Egocentricity. Desire for learning. Cultivation of useful contacts. Thirst for fame, glory, and reputation. Assiduity in writing books. Sense of destiny. Primordial thrust.